We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How you doing tonight? Ivy Nation Sports Talk. He's Vince. I'm Sean. It's mailbag night, and I'm not really sure what this is all about from David. How often do you begin Ivy Nation Sports Talk on time? First of all, when we start is on time. You're darn right. (laughs) Right? That's right. It's like when we show up, the party begins. Yeah, and it's only two after. I know there are others. I'm not going to say any names. I know there are others, though, who don't start by two after most nights or days or whatever right not wrong (laughs) so come on cut me some slack here man harsh harsh robert's in the house hang what up squirrel yeah (laughs) so david giving us a hard time i do want to just go ahead and throw this up there though tommy was uh i guess that's not even the the one that i wanted to star up i got i'm gonna have to scroll all the way back to the beginning because he was the first in tonight congratulations tommy i know that's the thing sometimes so <laughs> he made it in a lot of questions queued up and ready to go already yeah see matt says show usually starts 602 ish right around yeah, there see, come on now let's go with the program but hey it's mailbag usually night, usually what happens like if uh if we're a little delayed getting in, it's one of two things. There are some technical issues that come up from time to time that force, you know, like reboot the computer, some of that kind of stuff. Or two, like one of us gets in right before six o'clock and then we start talking kind of in the backstage area before we come on. And I'm not blaming me. I'm just saying we start talking and then the, the conversation kind of overflows a little bit delays the start last week last week when we were recording the countdown show it was you know it's the three of us vince and and jesse and i and there was some i think you guys started bitching about the cubs or something like that and i just went okay no i didn't even say enough i just hit the start and muted it drowned it out and we got it Man, did you watch the end of the Cubs game last I night? I didn't. I didn't, but I heard all about it. Six-run lead, blue, just blew the six-run lead. Well, then lead. Suzuki dropped the ball. I think they would have won oh, if he my. would have caught the ball in the outfield. See, on, they on were now. leading six to five. So that, That's not okay. 
It's a good thing Jesse's not here today because he would be on on severe watch. <laughs> I mean, it's when and you're in, and they're not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did have a question about, and I know this isn't a Cubs talk, but I had a question. I had a, I had like kind of a session with somebody that I work with, the SRO at our school. And, uh-huh. and we were talking about, he's a big Cubs fan. I'm a big Cubs fan. It's like, you know, this one isn't quite as painful. Like this, this swoon here isn't as painful as it has been in the past because I came into this season with zero expectations, like zero. And if the Cubs happen to make the playoffs, that's great. But I also have zero expectations that they're going to win anything in the playoffs. So it's like, I'm not as emotionally invested as I have been in the past because I just didn't have any expectations to begin with. Now, you know, it's, it's that whole thing where they get in and you can taste it and all that and you know, whatever. But like, I just, I don't know. I don't have the same feeling that I've had in the past when it comes to the Cubs just blowing it. You know what I mean? Because I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs in the first place. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I've tried to convince, you know, Jesse, you know, just lower your expectations and kind of look at this realistically. What are their actual chances if they make it? But, you you know, he's, he's invested. He's watching basically every night. And he he had to have been watching last night and I I didn't hear from him today. That's probably Uh, why. That's probably why. (laughs) Because I usually get a lot of either random texts or he'll sit he'll direct message me a tweet or something that he sees and that kind of stuff and not today let's just get into these questions got some good ones queued up of course yeah, bring your do. questions because it is mailbag night i want to start with david this is a two-parter 10 man oh that's actually part two hold it nope it is part one i have part one up there 10 man two-part number one is freeman putting in a call to jump off sides when 10 men on the field more of a reactive situation because of what happened. Of course. I mean, yeah, 100%. They didn't they didn't anticipate it before. <laughs> and so, you know, he's got to have a plan now, and if nothing else, as we've talked about, he's learned from his mistakes and he's got a plan. How often it's going to come up, I don't know. You hope that it doesn't come up and they don't ever have to go back to it. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, he had to have he knew he was going to be asked about it, so he's got to have a solution mm-hmm. when he's asked about it, and that's the solution he came up with. No, that is generally not something that you have like in the arsenal ready to go. It's always reactionary to a situation, and any coach that has that in his arsenal, this happened to him already, or it happened to a team that he follows, or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Almost everything about football and sports in general is reactionary. You're, react- you're reacting to something that has happened, so Yes. So part one. Yep. 10 man part two with the X video from nine four September 4th showing Notre Dame also had 10 men on the field against Tennessee state. Does this indicate a failure of self scouting who normally scouts that? I wouldn't say it's a failure of self scouting. I would just say for whatever reason, there is an issue with the defense making sure they've got the right personnel on the field. I don't know if it was the same person both times potentially, or I don't know. What do you think about this, Vince? It's not scouting. That's not the right term. Self-scouting has nothing to do with that. Uh, You know, you could call it, you know, you're, you're evaluating your processes 
you know, but like scouting is what happens on the field. And yes, I realize the players are on the field, but that it's an X's and O's type of thing. This is more of an issue of communication and, you know, chain of command and, and potentially kind of guys knowing which package they're right. in on and exactly. or their position coach communicating which package is on the field. Right. That kind of, and that's, right. you know, where we don't know exactly where the breakdown Correct. is because Marcus Freeman basically fell on the sword for everybody and he didn't point the fingers and commend him for that. Yep, because, which he should do. You know, like would Brian Kelly have just said, you know, look, it, it falls on me or would he have said, look, we've got a guy who's supposed to be doing this. He didn't do his job and, you know, whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't know. And then Al Golden wasn't asked about it yesterday. Interesting. So, okay. I don't know. Well, you know, is it concerning to me that it's happened twice now in five games? I mean, it could be anything. How often is a guy running out for extra point? Like, how often is it? Like, it's not that concerning to me. I'm sorry. Now, the part that's concerning to me is the fact that it happened when it happened against Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it, it's more the product of the timing of it than the actual fault. You know, like, than the, the sin itself. Like, it's the timing of the sin as opposed to the yeah. sin itself. If it happened in the third quarter against right. Ohio State, no one's going to care. I it's mean, it's it, an afterthought, unless they score a yeah. touchdown on it. You well, know yeah, what I mean? unless like, that happened to right. be a, yeah. And exactly. Tennessee State clearly didn't score a touchdown when Notre Dame had 10 men on the field. So it's something that we're looking at after the fact because of what happened against Ohio State. If yeah. it doesn't happen against Ohio State, we're not even talking about it. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's just more the it's more the timing of it that makes it egregious yeah and it's and i i had not forgotten about it but because i think we even mentioned it at one point earlier this week but tyler horka tweeted it after the fact you know after the tennessee state game and he said "Uh uh-oh 10 men on the field this can't happen against a better team and of course it happens against the best team on your schedule yeah back plays in crunch time yep i saw somebody retweeting that earlier today so i don't know if maybe that's you know where it came up from oh from yeah David probably not, but like if you saw it floating around out there earlier today but not good obviously we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Joe, with more pressure on for the rest of the season, if you are Marcus Freeman, how do you keep the team focused game to game? Uh, because there's no more pressure on every game, I don't think you have to do anything to keep the team focused. They know dang well that the margin for error is ridiculously slim, right? It's almost non-existent. And so you don't have to go to great lengths to keep your team focused. They're focused because of what the situation is. Now he still has to coach him up and he still has to get him ready for every game. And it's, you still do the, you know, the one play one life and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You can't change the way you're coaching now, like midstream that bad coaches do that. You've got to maintain, in my opinion, you have to maintain the same rhetoric, the same message from here on out that you've been preaching the whole way. It was the right message. It was the right message. They just didn't get it done against Ohio State. These are games where you don't ha- you shouldn't have to, in my opinion. You should not have to go to great lengths to keep the team focused at this point because they know they got to win them all here on out. Yeah, I mean – Look, he got him focused after losing to Marshall last right. year, and they got him refocused after losing to Stanford, and they turned around and beat Clemson. So the stakes became a heck of a lot lower as soon as you lost to Ohio State and Marshall in back-to-back weeks. And yet somehow they salvaged a 9-3 and record out of that thing and ended up going to a bowl, I guess, was it 9-3? Yeah, 9-3, and they end up going to a bowl game. And winning a bowl game, you know. So I think if you can salvage things and get them focused after that, I think they'll be okay this yep. year because there's still a lot to play for. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. It's, the, it's, it's the not, sky it's is not, not the season. Falling. Yeah, it's not the season right. is over. Now, if right. this were next year, there'd be even more to play for because you'd have a 12 team playoff format. This year it's still four, so it's harder to get in, obviously. But you can still make it. You can still make it. Oh, absolutely. You're telling me that all these teams that are ahead of Notre Dame are all going to be undefeated? You know, like, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen. I have yet to see a truly dominant football team, you know, uh, in five weeks of football. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it yet. Now, I certainly haven't seen four, you know, so – Yes, there's going to be conference championships. Yes, there's going to be all of these different scenarios that Notre Dame has no control over. That's what they've given up now. They've given up control. So they have to control what they can control and win the rest of their games, period. End of discussion. And if they do that, good things are going to happen around them for Notre Dame. 
Smarty Pants Salty is 11-1 and one Notre Dame's best case record for the season, or is it an equation used to determine the number of players on wow. a goal line defense? That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> it's not really a mailbag question, Salty. It's more of a, a mailbag statement, but I love it. And you know what else I love? I picked up my peanuts today yeah. from Brian's house, and my whole family's pretty fired up to get into it. So I told them they're not allowed to open it until after the show, but I will give you the rundown on how they taste, man, but I'm fired up. With all this drama this week of the loss to Ohio State, we didn't even get to mention that we we met Salty as well as a few other IB listeners, subscribers, viewers out there at the tailgate on Saturday. And Salty yeah, man. met his wife as well, uh, met Brian's parents for the first time. Me, I know I know you'd kind of met him before, but yeah. Um, and Salty brought the peanuts, brought the peanuts, and he autographed the cans. So oh. thanks for the peanuts. It's awesome. I'm keeping the can. I'm going to put the, the 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 lid like right here on the wall or something. I like the I like the inscription. It's good stuff. The Dean of Discipline. It's good. Well done. Jeff wants to know, going forward, if Notre Dame's in a tight game and hands the defense a lead late in the game, your confidence level, they make a stop unlike three other games of the golden era. Did, Jeff? This is a great question because you are cutting me like right in my heart. And uh, for me, if we're going on like a scale of one to 10 confidence level, it's like a four right now. And I hate to say that because I think the defense played well, but at the end of the day, Notre Dame has asked the defense to make a stop on numerous occasions. And he said three other games, right? And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And so my confidence level late in the game is low right now. Until they show me that they can do it, my confidence level is really low. If it's against USC, it is not very high. If it's against most of the other teams remaining on the schedule this season, I would put it maybe at a seven or an eight, you know, against USC because you got Caleb Williams and legit weapons. I would put it maybe at a four or a three. I, I just... And what's what's discouraging to me is both of the coordinators came out and talked last night, and they were asked about different things. Again, Al Golden wasn't asked about 10 men on the field, but he was asked about the defense that he put out there, the quarters in the secondary on third and 19, playing nickel on the goal line and that kind of thing. And you know, and, and Jared Parker was asked about the screen pass and you know, some other things like that. The basic response was like, uh, you know, got no problem with the plays. We just need to execute better. That kind of thing. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the right response. How, like, we know Marcus Freeman is an introspective guy, but the responses those guys gave seems to not that they're completely pointing the players at the pointing their fingers at the players but that kind of is is what it seems like it's like hey i called the right play they just need to you know team just players need to execute it better i don't know if that's the right mentality to have it's not the right mentality to have frankly (laughs) it's it's that that's let's just put it this way and it was definitely even more so with golden than yeah. Parker, but but there was some of that I felt like with Parker seeing some of well, the comments that he had as well. I've I've never really liked a lot of the answers that we get out of Al Golden. 
in a lot of different topics. He just, he'll, he is not going to say what you want him to say. I can tell you that he's not going to say <laughs> what we want to hear. You know, he's not going to pander uh, to, to the media or anybody else. And uh, sometimes he's a little, <laughs> a little too stubborn for my liking uh, with a lot of the stuff. And I would like to see some change and I'm hoping that that change is forced upon him. Let's just, I'll just leave it at that. Let's go with what Anthony says. Do you agree Golden has to fix the middle of the field issues? Way too many yards given up this year. 100%. Like that is when Brian and I talk about the defense and we talk about scheme and we talk about all these different things, whether it's on the air, or off the air, the middle of the field comes up an awful lot. And the middle of the field is what lost them the game on Saturday night, period. Uh, the, the manner in which they play the middle of the field is disturbing at times. And if they played that scheme correctly, in my opinion, on that third and 19, they knock it down. But they let a guy run straight up the seam untouched and they were playing over the top of them and there was yeah. nobody playing underneath. It made no sense well, to me. And what None. he was worried about, what you know, again, some of the comments that he said, what he was worried about, and I can pull it up here if you want and I can read it to you. I think I know I've got it here someplace let me see if i can find it real quick but the the you know the thing that he said was he was more worried about getting a ball dropped over their head in the end zone on that play why that's dumb on third okay so if they score at least you got some time to do something with it like i i don't like that you have to defend the sticks in my opinion on that you can keep a safety back that's fine but you can't let a guy run Without anybody covering him, period. Without anybody covering him, high, low, left, right, doesn't matter. You can't allow that to happen. And so that's my bigger issue. I get that he didn't want them to score a touchdown. Okay. But they did the next best thing and probably something that was even better than scoring a touchdown is they got a first down and they were allowed to run off more clock. And so that's my biggest issue with the whole thing. Here's what he said. He said on the previous fourth down, the previous longer third down, they went cover one both times, and he said, and they beat us. And what I didn't want to do is throw a jump ball in the back of the end zone. That would have been one that I would have lamented. Could we call other things there? For sure. But we need to execute that call, break on the ball, get the ball on the ground. If it's cover one, that's man-to-man. If it's cover one then why is this guy uncovered? So I would love to sit no, in no, a no, room. No, 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 you, you heard it wrong. Okay, sorry. The previous calls were cover one. That's oh, why they didn't go to got cover you. one. They were, got they were in you. quarters for that last play. That's, that's what he said. That's why they didn't go okay. cover one. But because they didn't want to jump ball in the back of the end zone. If you're in court, first of I just, all, quarters you've got to do there, it's but. it's just way too soft. It's third and nineteen. Right. What you know, if you're having that much success with man to man, whatever, why are you just going to all of a sudden concede that much ground on third and nineteen, and you know, and play off that soft and just like you said, let them run downfield. And then the other thing is there's there's just you know, because it's not just that play that you know that was obviously deeper down the field on that specific play on third and 19. And we've touched on this this week. There are no zone blitz type concepts that help out in those situations where you're catching a, a, a quarterback off guard by dropping a guy 
off the line of scrimmage, either into the middle of the field or in the flat, wherever you can catch guys off guard doing that. Trust me, you know, like I, you know, I, I didn't play in, in college, but I played enough football in, you know, in, in high school, like that was something that, you know, we didn't necessarily call it a zone blitz, but we would do that from time to time is just drop a guy off into those soft areas like that so that you at least have something in the middle. You're not just giving him a, a three, a free throw down. Field. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, my biggest issue is, okay, if, if you want to go quarters, fine, but you still got to play underneath. You, you still, you can't just let them run. You got to play underneath or you got to break on the ball faster. There's a lot of oars that you could have here, but they ran five, they ran five verts. They ran five verts and nobody was in the, like, nobody was in the middle of the field offensively. Right. So the backer it's has third to come and 19. Out. You can get a first down by picking right. up, you know, and then you have to ride is, him. You have to yeah. ride that guy and roll with him all the way down because I mean, there's they, nothing underneath to guard. Right. They were basically focused on keeping him out of the end zone, but they weren't focused on that extra two yards that they yes. had in between. Correct. Correct. Which is just, again, and that's just on that specific play. There are other times, not just on that play. That I mean, that was really the story of that game was in the crucial situations when it was time for Ohio State to convert. That's when Notre Dame would go to a lot of the softer type coverage and it just yeah i think it was just confounding that they did that so often and ohio was ohio state was able to capitalize so often i mean they, they didn't even run anything special it was five verts they just ran straight down the field it, i mean it was like playing on a playground you know and we did and, and notre dame just gave it to them that's the frustrating part it wasn't even like a a good play call it was five verts come on <laughs> Salty, I saw your college football playoff question. That's something that we're going to address in rapid fire. So uh, we will have that team or uh, that that coming up. Um, Derek says he feels like it's a much bigger loss than the staff realizes. Oh, the staff realizes plenty. But what do you want? What What do we know about the staff? It's what they tell us in the media, right? At press conferences and all of that, right? But I mean, what do you want him to say, Derek? Well, season's over. That was the biggest loss of my career. I don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to come back from it. Like, yeah, literally, you have another game to play. you got to turn the week. page. There's zero time to dwell on it. Yeah, they know, you know exactly what? how big of a loss this was. I can't, promise you. Yeah, they can't sit there and stew on it and complain and moan about it and talk about how much it sucks because – you know, to the question about getting your team focused, you've got to get the team in the right frame of mind and you've got to do it quick. Absolutely. Practice started, practice for the week started Tuesday and you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You fly on Friday. They'll have a walkthrough Friday. They'll probably do some kind of walkthrough either at the Saturday. hotel or yeah. wherever Saturday. Like there's just no time. Yep. And we would be hammering them, Derek, if – they were they kept talking about this game yeah. and they kept you know bemoaning how big of a loss it was and we would be hammering them we'd be like hey you got another game in 5 days like you you got to turn the page you got to get these guys ready you know you all that stuff so believe me i promise you Derek behind closed door and it's, it look i get where you're coming from man i do 
But behind closed doors, when it's just a coach's meeting and they're discussing things and whatnot, they, I can promise you, they're talking about how big of a uh, of an opportunity yeah. that was that they let get away from them. Yeah. Guaranteed. With the team in front of the team, that's a different story. Absolutely. But, yeah. You just you can't afford to to waste that kind of energy and and risk putting your team in the wrong frame of mind. David wants to know what's the most devastating loss any of your sports teams have ever had. Are you over it now? I mean, for you, it's almost got to be the Bartman game, isn't it? That whole that series, yeah, that was um, like I, you know, maybe there's a Notre Dame loss, like a you know USC USC was big. This one will end up being big, obviously. The Ohio State USC, those are right up there. you know, the playoff games aren't that devastating because they got blown out and I was able to make peace with it by like halftime. Uh, so that wasn't really a, an issue for me. Um, so they linger, like you feel it, you remember the emotion of it. Like I remember the emotion of USC like it was yesterday. I remember the emotion of Saturday, obviously. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I remember the emotion of the Bartman game and the, and and realizing there's no way they're going to win game seven. Uh, and feeling that, but this is going to sound as corny and cliche as it could possibly be. But at the end of the day, I go home and I give my kids a big hug and I realize it's friggin' sports. Like it's okay. You know, I, I'm already sick of talking about Ohio state, David, if I'm being honest with you and because it's my job, so we're doing it and we, you know, I'll, all that, but like, there's so many bigger things to worry about. <laughs> I just I, I know that sounds cliche and ridiculous because in the moment, man, I'm as passionate and as fired up as that. I mean, Sean, you can attest to this. Like I couldn't even sit down on that last drive when we were in the press box. Like oh, I'm yeah, we were all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like pacing back and forth. Like I was totally dialed in and like emotionally invested. Um, but you know, 24 hour rule, man. I guess I like a coach, 24 hour rule, and I'm pretty much good to go. Mine as a fan was Super Bowl 13 Cowboys Steelers mm. and Roger Staubach threw to this tight end named Jackie Smith and like if you've ever seen the old highlights Jackie did like this jack's jackknife kind of thing he was down on the ground and in the end zone dropped a sure touchdown pass and the Cowboys ended up losing I remember exactly where I was in my grandpa's basement watching that down on the floor and just Oh, are you kidding me? Like, I had no idea who this Jackie Smith was. He had played with the Cardinals for a long time. It was his first year with the Cowboys. And he ended up ultimately, what, maybe 20 or so years ago, getting elected into the Hall of Fame and all that. But I just cursed the name Jackie Smith for a long time (laughs) after that. I mean, we've both coached. What about as a coach? Is there there one as a coach that has stuck with you the most? The one that has stuck with me by far, by far the most, and you were there. It was the sectional championship game in 2012. Jesse played in it. Yep. Drew, so, Drew Tranquil and his brother on the other team yep. for Fort Wayne Carroll. Yep. That yep. was by far the most devastating loss I've ever had. Because was it a 17 point fourth quarter lead or a 14 it was point? Three scores. That's what I remember. I think it was 17 point fourth quarter lead. And yeah. the play calling. And, and, and what 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 happened? Passing instead of running the ball. Passing instead of running the because ball. Drew like Tranquil intercepted it. Ran pick it in for six. A yeah, it's yeah. a pick six by Drew Tranquil. Who, by the way, and this is how I know that it was a devastating loss for me. I hated Drew Tranquil. Excuse me, <laughs> Drew Tranquil. I hated him so much. And it took so much 
of me to like get over that as he went through his Notre Dame career because he's such a good guy and he was such a hard-nosed player and he just did everything. He's like, I mean, you Notre Dame guy, all of that stuff. I hated that kid so much because he just <laughs> robbed my team of a championship. But in reality, it was the head coach of the team I was coaching for that robbed them of that opportunity. So it was, that's by far, like not even close. It was the, it would have been the first sectional championship in the school's history. And it was my favorite group of kids, you know, just, you know, Jesse was one of my favorites and, you know, all of those guys that we had coached on the freshman team were now juniors and seniors. And it's like, yep. that was our team, man. And I they, mean, it's they just still the, it. the, the one thing, the one thing they can take pride in is it is still the best Adams high school football season in the last right. like 40 years now at this point, I think he had to go back yeah. to 86, like the next, the next best team that, which is when Anthony well. Johnson but, was there who went to but it, Yeah, but it was so close. It was oh, so close. Yeah. Mine is coaching baseball. We had Penn beat. We were leading oh. Penn in the, you know, high school baseball games are seven innings. So we're in the seventh inning and oh. we've got the, the kid at the plate, two strikes on him, throw a pitch. We thought we had strike three. And I, I still think they didn't ring him up because it's, it was us and it was Penn and he didn't want to, you know, to end for Penn on a like that called strike got three. on a called strike three. Yeah. So instead of getting called strike three, that would have ended the game. The kid walks one or two pitches later, he steals second one or two pitches later, kid singles him home. So it ties the game. We end up going to extra innings. We play three extra innings and uh, you know, we're, we're basically riding a relief pitcher for, for dear yeah. life and you know because it's like who, who do we have who can throw strikes at that point and the kid was just pumping it for as long as he could and then ultimately yeah. and of course breaks through in the 10th inning and that's it and that that's was where that's, that's where just, the pen depth gets you every time man i know like it sucks and like anytime you have a chance to beat pen yeah yeah you're absolutely it. right yeah they're the giant that you want to crush man and i i i remember I don't know if Je Jesse had to have been on the team. I think he was probably younger. He was in the playoffs, and Adams played Penn. It was like 17-14 or 14-7. Yeah. It was a one-score game. Probably the like, closest Adams like, has played Penn yes, in forever. It was raining. It was nasty. It was just a crappy day, and um, they were almost there. And I, I just remember that one hurt. That one stung a lot, but not as much as the sectional championship, man. Yep. I agree. I was there for that one as well. <laughs> yeah, I figured you were. I thought I thought that was early on in the tenure. I was I was bundled up in the stands. <laughs> Gee, baby, how much Braylon James do you guys mm, think we will see this good. weekend? You know, we haven't even touched on really the fact that uh, Dion Colsey is going to be out for at least a couple of games. We'll find out maybe tomorrow what is his status in status is. Marcus Freeman said Monday he's getting a knee scope. That's why we haven't seen as much of him. And then Jaden Thomas has a hamstring tweak as well. So what do you think? Do we see some Braylon James Saturday? It's possible, but I doubt it. I still think they are going to try to preserve his red shirt. Now he gets four games, obviously. He hasn't played in one yet. Uh, I mean, it's possible, but I still think they've got enough numbers to where they won't have to. So I'm going to go with no. I don't think that they're going to play them, but it wouldn't overly surprise me 
because like I said, they do enough 12 and 13 personnel where I just like if they were in 11 personnel, like 95% of the time, then there's a good chance that he would have seen the field. Mm-hmm. I just think that they'll err I mean, on the side of 12 at, personnel. Yeah. Look at the game Mitchell Evans had. And, right. uh, you know, exactly. everyone was talking about Holden stays a couple of weeks ago. And then Mitchell Evans has the kind of game he has last week against Ohio state with a one hand grab and everything else. So I don't think they necessarily need to, and it, it will definitely come down to can Jaden Thomas go one. If, if Thomas plays, there's no reason to sure. play Braylon James, but the other part of that as well is how ready is he? And what is he really right. going to contribute at this point? Yeah, has he been up with the varsity? Like, or has he just been on scout? Like, I don't know. Yeah the inner workings of what has been going on at practice either. You know what I mean? And so I just, I lean to the side of, and as the the chat is saying, why not give the ball to Chris Tyree a little bit more? Yeah. I feel like we've said that sometime in the past. And that's, that's still the one thing when you've got such a dynamic guy like him. And, you know, we've talked about it plenty that Sam Hartman is going to throw to the open guy. And I know there's that, there's a video that someone tweeted out where he maybe kind of forced the ball a little bit to Rico Flores when Rico was, was, was man to man with a defensive back and it ended up being broken up. And there's Chris Tyree, Tyree wide open over the middle. You know, maybe he kind of needs to, uh, to look for all number four a little bit more out there. Yep. I don't know. Number four needs more snaps, too. He wasn't out there very often. Well, and that's the thing. It's like there's so much, di- you know, personnel yeah. shifting in and out. Almost too much. Yeah. John wants to know, do we have a problem with the media interviewing head coaches during the game? I hate it. Oh, it's worst. It's the worst. I I, don't, I didn't mean to step on your explanation, but it's nope. so st- – what are you I, getting? I just, I just wanted to be short and sweet. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like – what? Seriously, what are you gaining from that interview? Yeah. What what insight, you know, are you gaining from that interview? Nothing. It, it's going to be a canned response. It's going to be, oh, we got to work harder. We got to we got to adjust. We, you know, what are you getting from that? Nothing. I would actually rather hear from a, a bad color commentator on what he thinks should happen as opposed <laughs> to the head coach. What I mean, what do you think? He, well, we're going to want more X, Y, banana, you know, spread 15, uh-huh. 30, What do you think you're going to get? It's just his responsibility is to be talking with his team, not talking with the media during the game. Terrible, terrible. Completely agree. Basketball's been doing it for a while now. And bad there too. It, it's... It's bad, and I just, like you said, I hate it. There's no reason for it because you're not getting any real answers. The coaches just want to get it over with, basically. But it's part of what comes along with these big media rights deals that they're signing. We'll give you more money. We want more access. That's what it comes down to. Yep, exactly. And I, I get why they do it in the women's game. They're trying to, you know, get people more involved and excited and, you know, want to know the, the coaches more. And so I, I, I get that side of it, but you don't need to do it in major college football. You don't. I concur. David wants to know if Colorado and Notre Dame play in a bowl game, do you think it would be more watched than the national championship game? Depends on who's in the national championship game, Sean. I mean, if we're talking like a, a big 12 team and USC or something like that, yup. 
It will be. It will be a bigger bowl game. Now, Notre Dame is playing Colorado in a bowl game. Notre Dame had a terrible season. So that would be disturbing on a lot of levels. That means Notre Dame is like a seven, eight win team. And so that would be bad. And so, but Notre Dame fans will obviously watch and obviously, so it'll, it would be big, but um, I would be a very devastated Notre Dame person, <laughs> fan, analyst, et cetera, if they're playing Go Colorado. back to the rocket days, Notre Dame and Colorado. Once again, I would just based on the way this, this whole Dion phenomena has taken off. You're right. I would not be surprised at all, at yeah. all. If yeah. it got a better, and and I mean, to be quite honest, there's probably a couple of TV networks that are sitting out there going, "Man, I hope Colorado, you know, can find its way into a bowl and we can match them up with Notre Dame." I would, oh. not, would not be surprised at all. Well, and the other thing is, if, I, I realize if, it's early and there's a lot that well, has for to sure. happen. But, but even, like, you know, like my, let's say it was like, I don't, I don't even know what mid tier bowl. Oh my god. You know, let's you yeah, know, like if it was bad. the Gator Bowl again, yeah. just like last year, it'd probably be the most viewed Gator Bowl ever. Yep. Oh, there's no doubt. And it would have no competition because it wouldn't be going up against, you know, a, a New Year's Six or you know, something like it would be the only game yeah. in town. So everybody would be watching it. Everybody. But Colorado is gonna have to severely overachieve, and Notre Dame is gonna have to severely underachieve for that to be reality. Now, a couple years from now. If, if, if prime can keep this thing going and, and keep improving and, you know, maybe he does big things in the big 12, you know, all of that, then you're going to see that that could be potential. So like you're, you were like, just like you were talking, right. You know, uh, rocket versus Colorado and all that. You're going to harken back to those days in a mm-hmm. couple of years. If prime can keep doing his thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause Notre Dame, sorry, they're not coming back to Colorado at this point. Joe, if the coaching staff truly believes they can compete for a championship, they shouldn't be thinking about preserving red shirts for talented players. Totally agree, Joe. But here's the problem. Braylon James is not more talented. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about specifically with Braylon James, then that's like, is Braylon James really going to make a difference this weekend? I just... Maybe Based eventually, like... He hasn't played so far. I I don't think so. No, I don't. And that's what I'm saying. This weekend. Right. He's not, I don't, I don't think that he's ready for the amount of time that people think that he's ready for. You know what I mean? And and it's not, it's not a lack of talent. But every guy, every young talented guy with a star next to his name that people don't right. see, everyone assumes that he must be ready right now. And that's just, look, Correct. and I'm not trying to like throw shade on, on Jalen Sneed, but we've got to see more of Jalen Sneed this year as a sophomore. Everyone was calling for him last year. And Jalen Sneed has made some mistakes in front of everyone's eyes now this year on Saturday. And if he's, if he's making those kind of mistakes now, you can imagine what it had to have looked like in practice last year. There's a Correct. reason he wasn't out there more. Correct. Last year. And we've also, just on the flip side, we've also seen the really athletic version of Jalen Sneed, which is why everybody's so excited about him, right? but he's just not consistent enough of a player that you can have him out there as much as people want him out there. Yep. It's a good point because he's made some plays as well. Was it nice pass breakup he had there in the end zone? He's, he's done some nice things, but there are times when he's still not quite where he needs to be. Some different things. Right. 
Joe wants to know what our next bucket list item is. He says his is seeing a game in South Bend. First was when he went to the game in Dublin. Ooh, nice. Congratulations, huge, Joe. That's awesome. Yeah. That's hilarious. Not, not hilarious. I don't think that's the right word, but it's pretty funny that you went saw, and saw a game Notre there Dame. before. <laughs> you saw Notre Dame in Dublin, but not in South Bend. Like that's mm-hmm. amazing to me. Honestly, my my realistic bucket list item right now is to watch Notre Dame play at Lambeau. Like I, I'm actually really looking forward to that one. Was it next year? Maybe the year after? Whatever it happens. Whenever it is. After. Yeah. So. Look, really looking forward to that one. Um, so that's the most realistic one. Uh, but then the next bucket list item, and again, this is going to sound cliche. I want to see Notre Dame playing in a national championship. Like that's that's what I want. That's the bucket item, man. I want to be at the national championship game that Notre Dame is participating in. My next bucket list is I want to. I, I, like Jesse and I have been talking about this for a couple of years. Want to see a game at Fenway Park? Go do that. Um, probably sit on top of the Green Monster doing nice. that. I can't believe you've never done that. I haven't. That surprises me. I know. I know. And he was like, <laughs> I think it was like a month before training camp started. He was like, hey, you know, maybe we can go t- see a game. I'm like, this is one I think we need to plan for a little bit <laughs> in advance. I want to get to Cooperstown at some point. I'd like to do that. Sure. Other than that, you know, I've That's been a thinking trek, about it. Because there's it's nothing like, nearby. It's like in the I middle know. of nowhere from what I understand. At some point, I'd like to, uh, you know, just have that RV that I've talked about. Yes. And just bebop around and, you know, like maybe, you know, hit like five or six ballparks at one point. You know, go see some, you know, wherever college football games. But that's... That's off in the future. That's oh, I would yeah. definitely like to do that. Like have the RV and just yeah. bop around and go go check out some baseball and football games. Different we still, spots around the country. We still need to do the RV for a football game. Like that I still know. needs to happen. See, I'm thinking Lambo. Yes, like if we could swing that. That's what I was thinking. Because you could you could turn the RV into a studio a studio as yep. well. Now the cell, you know, the the wireless reception might be an issue. Well, that's where we got to plan ahead, Sean Styers. We got to plan ahead, get the mobile hotspot that's really, really good. You know, that whole thing. Make it happen. You know how that data goes on game day. Like, like nobody could text out there in the parking lot. I I actually had a text bounce back to me today. Did you really? I was trying to send to you and your father-in-law. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, message failed to send. And I'm like, what is this? I haven't even tried to send anything. It was from Saturday. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That is hilarious. Uh, so, I don't know. No other Notre Dame questions. Have we have we hit all the the Notre Dame stuff pretty good? I guess this week. I think so. I we've mean, got some other questions okay. that all kind of work into rapid fire, but it doesn't okay. look like we've got a lot of other Notre Dame questions. No, nope, everybody's kind of putting up their bucket list and having some fun with that, and I think that's that's awesome. So, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. Matt said, man, his Red Sox are awesome this year. Oof. Goodness. I mean, at least the Cubs are have the opportunity to get in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they're probably going to blow it, but, you know. It's, uh, you know, Dave Dombrowski did everything, I think, but sell his soul to to win a championship kind of at the end of his tenure as general manager. And not to let Bloom, Heim Bloom off the hook, but 
there wasn't a lot there, but he also didn't make a lot of good moves to uh, yeah. to try to dig him out of the hole that Dombrowski kind of started him in a few years back. So I don't know. Be curious. And that's first time in 30 years, no playoff with Sox, Yanks, or Cards. That's amazing. Wow. That's that's amazing. I know. Come on. Come on back, Rizzo. Come on back. Come come to a team that can make the playoffs. Well, you know what though? That's I mean, I know Rizzo has had the concussion and, and but like all that talk just what 3 years ago about are you going to keep Baez? Are you going to keep Rizzo? Schwarber? Are you going to keep Bryant? Schwarber was the one that really nobody seemed to care about. And, and of the, the four, he's the only it. guy who's producing I know. A, like a major leaguer this year. His average is years. terrible, but he's putting the ball out of the ballpark. You know, that's, I mean, but that's DH, baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, that's baseball now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yep. Chris yep, Bryant, Javi Baez, especially like they've just disappeared, like yeah. just disappeared. They were rock stars, Sean. Rock stars when they were in Chicago, and they have just, I mean, one went to Detroit, obviously, and the other one went to Colorado. Like, bye. Welcome to the abyss. El Conquistador. Excellent point. October is the best sports month, and we are just uh, days away from the start of October. There's nothing nothing better than going to a Notre Dame game, and the Cubs are on one of the TVs up there playing in the postseason. Saying. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.